0: Looking to get back in the win column. The Seahawks won't have as easy of an opponent opposite of them as their 3-7 and record shows. The Seahawks taking on the Raiders on Sunday. What do the Seahawks need to do to get back in the win column and improve to 7-4? and Nick Lee and I are going to be breaking it all down our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Blue Friday episode, my co-host Nick Lee. Special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks their first listen. Five days a week. And of course, a special thanks to our new listeners as well. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Continuing to spend time with family and friends. We've got a big game coming up on Sunday. The Seahawks coming back from their bye week. They'll be hosting the Raiders at Lumen Field on Sunday. What do the Seahawks need to do to get back in the win column? We're going to be devising a game plan and having a little bit of fun in the third segment. Switching things up a little bit with it being a holiday weekend weekend. Going to play a game. Really looking forward to that as well. This episode is brought your way by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks have about as clean of an injury report as you can expect coming out of their bye week. Only one injury designation. Unfortunately, that one injury is a fairly significant one. And it was a bit, one of those things that caught me a bit off guard with Pete Carroll today. D. Eskridge, after the Munich game, the loss to the Buccaneers, Carroll said that he did not have a broken hand, that his x-rays were negative. He just had a bruise. And here we are now, two weeks later, and apparently Eskridge does have a broken hand. He's expected to go on to injured reserve, which means he's going to miss a minimum of four games. And though Carroll sounded somewhat optimistic that he may be able to come back, he was pretty coy with his response when asked about his availability for later in the season. And anyway, you slice it, this kid just can't seem to catch a break, Nick.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, we're kind of entering, you know, CJ process kind of conversations. I know that's, uh, a, a name that doesn't bring up a lot of great memories. Thank you on the hoodie. Compliment, by the way. I, I love this hoodie. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's really, it's such a bummer because obviously it's, he was their highest round pick a couple years ago. I'm not, not first round pick, but highest round pick. And you, you invest a lot of draft capital in a kid like that. And you can see um, on the practice field, if you've been out there, um, some of the preseason actions, some, some of the times he's gotten in there and gotten the ball, that the speed is there, the agility is there, but 17 receptions in two full seasons, pretty much. That is, uh, that, that. especially for, for a guy that you were really counting on as a higher draft pick, is not great. Not great, Bob. And it's uh, it, it's not trending in a great direction. Hopefully he can just get back on the field. The Seahawks do have other weapons. Um, I, I know this is kind of a weird, um, it probably has nothing to do with each other. I just like finding stuff like this. The Seahawks are actually 0-2. Uh, when D Eskridge does not get a target. So um, just take that for what it's worth. <laughs> but um, it's it's certainly a bummer because you obviously want your receiver room as deep as possible, um, especially for a game like this, where you think you can maybe get get downfield, get some yardage and some chunk plays. And a guy like D Eskridge has that ability to take a top off a of defense or stretch him out wide. Um, so, yeah, it kind of takes a little bit of the piece of, of
0: what makes the Seahawks dangerous away. This is really one of those where you have to feel bad for the player because it seems like it's been a lot of bad luck injuries, like the concussion last year that cost him seven games. He just got his bell rung and ended up being a severe concussion, and you're not going to rush guys back from that. And a broken hand suffered on a kick return. Like Again, it just seems like one of those kind of fluky injuries. Now, the hamstring issues that he's had on and off his first couple years, those may be ones he can look at. Well, maybe if you would have changed up, what you're doing in the offseason to be better, but he's had some of those bad luck injuries, and CJ ProSize had a lot of those during his time in Seattle, too. And so, it prevented us from really ever seeing what ProSize could do, with the exception of that win over the Patriots, the one great game that he had during his four years with the organization. Eskridge has had one really solid game against the 49ers last year, and otherwise, has really been an afterthought for this offense, and so. Many of our listeners may be thinking, "Oh, this isn't a big deal anyway." He hasn't been a big part of the offense; only has seven receptions this year. That may very well be true, but he has been looking pretty good on kick returns. And they're, now they're going to have to go back to either DJ Dallas or they have to bring somebody else in to return kicks. And. It's not a huge thing in the NFL now with most kicks sailing out of the end zone, but still that's something they're going to have to adjust to on special teams and just not being able to find a way to get an athletic weapon like D. Eskridge involved in the offense. When he's been healthy, they've struggled to do that, and now they're going to be without him for at least four games, and he's missed a lot of games his first two seasons as it stands. So this is unfortunately a difficult situation for the player. The team wants to see him stay healthy, but – they really had no choice here with the second scan showing a fracture that wasn't seen initially in Munich. And now he's going to be out. They do have Marquise Goodwin. Dariq Young has played 41 offensive snaps in the last four games. I would expect that number is going to keep going up. He's going to get more opportunities. They have Petty Hart there. And really the one that I'm intrigued by, and it's crazy I'm saying this because Laquan Treadwell has been a bust. The Minnesota Vikings got rid of him after a couple seasons Former first round pick did not produce in Minnesota has bounced around with a bunch of different teams. Couldn't stick in Jacksonville and they haven't exactly had a murder's row at receiver the last couple of years, but he couldn't stick there. And yet I'm still somewhat intrigued by Laquan Treadwell. It feels like he's been in the league for like 20 years and he's still in his mid twenties. And this is a kid that can run routes really crisply has good athleticism, good size. He just has never been able to put it together, but that was a name that Pete Carroll dropped unprompted today after practice. And I'm wondering if this might be his opportunity. Now that he's been with the team for a few weeks on the practice squad, maybe this is his chance to see if he can suit up and maybe give the Seahawks some contributions on offense. We know there's talent there going back to his days at old Miss, but that would be the one name that I would keep a close eye on here as far as the practice squad players. Maybe Kay Johnson gets elevated a second time, but Treadwell brings the size aspect and some of the physicality that you're going to be missing with a healthy D. Eskridge.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad call. You know, Laquan Treadwell, 6'2", 215. But I I remember watching him hit Ole Miss, and he had that devastating injury coming out of college. And even back then, I wondered, you know, how much is that really going to affect his NFL career? And it might have. Um, You know, who knows if he doesn't have that injury. I mean, he's still a 23rd overall pick, but um, he's yet to reach 500 yard receiving plateau in any season Um, and and really has has either not been able to stay healthy or not been able to stick on a roster. He's only turned in 16 games once in six seasons. Um, So really, he might be running out of opportunities. He might continue to get those as long as he's got that size, size, speed combo. Um, but really it's it, this he's running out of opportunities and this could be another one. Um, But really it, it, it's kind of a low, low risk thing at this point. They're not the Vikings who invested a lot of draft capital in him that there's taking a flyer on him. And you're right. But kate Johnson could, could um, result from that too. So if, we, if, and when we see a roster move uh with the going on IR, I would like to see Laquan Treadwell just to, just to give him a, a look and, you know, maybe there's something there. Maybe he can wiggle loose for, for a cup, for a for a big play or two you don't need him to take over a game you don't need him to have you know a deandre hopkins davante adams kind of game you just need to have him be there be open and and make a couple contributions two or three four catches uh key first down here or there and something in the red zone so he's got the size to do it and i'd be like i'd like to to see what we
0: got yeah and if he can play any special teams that would certainly add to his value as well and he has been with the team now for close to a month, so he should know the playbook. I'm curious to see what happens. It, it did seem striking to me that Pete Carroll unprompted mentioned him. We'll see what that means. If anything, might not mean anything, and he might not be on the field on Sunday against the Raiders, but I anticipate there's a good chance that he will be the one that gets that opportunity if they're going to add another receiver to the roster for this game against the Raiders. Speaking of this game against the Raiders, Seattle's looking to get back in the win column after losing to the Buccaneers before their bye week. What do they have to accomplish to get their seventh win of the season? We're going to advise a game plan on offense and defense coming up next on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks. We're officially in week 12 of the 2022 season. I'm rolling with Lamar Jackson to bust out of a mini slump with three combined touchdowns against the Jaguars. That might seem like a bold leap given his injury, but with Prize Picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put your entries to the test. Pick two to five players if they score more or less than a prize picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sports you watch, whether it's the NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, even boxing. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the Price Picks app today or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, my co-host, Nick Lee. A special thanks to all the 12s out there during the holiday season, making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week and for your second listen make sure to check out the locked on sports today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today it's available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcast the seahawks coming off their bye week Lost to the Buccaneers in Munich before that bye week. They're looking to get back in the win column against a familiar foe, a former AFC West rival. And you can maybe make the argument their fiercest rival when they were in the AFC West, the Raiders, coming to town. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders, a lot of things have changed. Different conferences, different cities. And they're going to be meeting up at Lumen Field. And Nick, I've been talking about this all week long. The Raiders are three and seven. They're four games under 500. Two of those three wins are against the Denver Broncos. The other one's against the Houston Texans. That is not an impressive resume at all. And yet, this team still has a lot of star power. I think they are much better than their record indicates, at least from the star power perspective. So I don't think this is going to be a game where they're going to be playing a 3-7 and cupcake. Forget about the record. There's a lot of talent here. From an offensive perspective, what do the Seahawks need to do to get that seventh win against a Raiders team that's going to be thinking upset? Well, just to put that in perspective,
1: too, with how competitive they've been, um, the Raiders. The earlier in the season, they lost two games at Tennessee, at Kansas City. Two very, you know, usually maybe top one, two, three seeds in the AFC playoffs. They lost those two games by a combined three points. So they are they've been absolutely competitive in some of those games, and I think what the Seahawks need to do is get out to a fast start. And because we addressed last week about how the Seahawks kind of struggle out of the half, their third quarter numbers are kind of lackluster, um, the way they can either afford to be able to do that, or hopefully, you know, ride the momentum of the first half is to start fast Raiders allowing 12.7 points per uh, in the first half, per first half and, and per game 23rd in the NFL. And the only time they've won when trading uh, when trailing at the half was last week against the Broncos. Thank you. Hat tip there um, <laughs> the, for, uh, for the, the boost and draft stock for the Seahawks there. Um, really, it's it's going to come with uh, with scoring early and often. And if you look at some of the matchups, the, the Seahawks don't have the greatest uh, red zone offense They're 26th when it, when when turning red zone trips into touchdowns. But the Raiders defense is dead last in the entire NFL and when they allow when the defense allows offenses to get into their red zone, they are dead last in preventing touchdowns. So the Seahawks absolutely need to cash in, especially in some of those earlier uh, possessions. And when you play a team that's three and seven, you know, they're, they're kind of starting to feel out of it. A way you can really put them away is to first two possessions, 14, zero. I mean, that that is, um, you know, get it whether you start with the ball, seven, zero, get a stop, 14, zero, whatever you have, whatever combo that is. But really, starting out 14 or even 10-0, two-scored lead after two possessions, I think would be huge because then you kind of get them thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, Raiders, we've had a tough season. The Seahawks in Seattle, it's loud. And, you know, here comes the Seahawks. They're feeling it. And the crowd's into it. That will make – that will kind of defeat them mentally, I think. If you can get a 2 score lead in your first
0: two possessions, that could be huge starting fast. And the Broncos obviously last week raced out to a 10-0 lead, and then they took their foot off the pedal. I think that's the big thing here. You get that fast start, then don't become complacent. You have to keep putting points on the board because this team does have weapons, even without Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, who were on injured reserve, you've still got a number of weapons on that side of the ball. You've got a really solid quarterback in Derek Carr. You've got some good offensive coaches. I know it has not worked out in the win-loss column, but I mean, Josh McDaniels, is a great play caller. They've got some good coaches here that can coach up this offense. So this is not a group that is ever out of it with the talent they have. But as you mentioned, there have been a lot of rough starts this season. They have had three different games where they have trailed by 14 or more points in the first half at halftime. They didn't win any of those. The Saints beat them 27 to nothing in one of those three games. The Chargers were up 14 on them in a loss in week one. So, Typically, when teams have been able to put the Raiders on their back early, they have been able to knock them out of the game and they've been able to hold on to win. The Raiders have made some valiant comebacks. They haven't been able to finish off those comebacks. And so you keep that in mind. Uh, That is certainly something that the Seahawks have got to do in this matchup. Get off to a fast start and then keep the foot on the pedal. Make sure that you don't let the Raiders get back in the game and stay in it. Let your home crowd get in it, and then certainly that helps. I'm going to sound like a broken record with my point here because it feels like this has been happening a lot with this Seahawks team, but it just speaks to the talent that they have at the tight end position. Get your tight ends involved early. Don't do what you did in Germany where you had one target to the tight ends in the first half. That is not going to cut it. You are playing another defense that simply cannot stop tight ends. They've allowed six touchdowns to tight ends this year. That's part of the issue With their red zone struggles, tight ends have been scoring at will on them. That's the fourth most in the NFL. And I also think the tight ends matter in this game because of who you're going to be dealing with off the edge. The Raiders have two really good pass rushers. I know Chandler Jones has not been productive this year for the Raiders, but it's still Chandler Jones. And I'm telling you, him coming back to Lumen Field, which basically is his second home. Him coming to Lumen Field, he is going to find it in this game. You're going to have to bring your A game if you're Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas dealing with him. And Max Crosby has been a monster all season long. So you're going to need Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, and Will Disley to be able to chip in and help out a little bit with the tackles against those edge rushers. So not just in the passing game. I think that that's going to open things up with your running back, Ken Walker III. It's going to open things up for your deep balls to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, instead of using the run to open everything up, get the football to your tight ends and find ways to have them chip in and help out literally and figuratively with your tackles against those stud pass rushers.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's a good way to think of it is the tight ends involved in in both pass protection and in the pass game, Noah Fant and Will Disley um, really can step up in, in this game and, and just to kind of Hammer home my first point here with the third point is to sustain drives and finish, not just in the first half. Obviously you want to extend, you want to get off to a fast start, have a two score lead and kind of keep them quote at arm's length, you know, or it's always, they, they might make it a seven point game. Then you go back and make it a 10 or 13 or 14 point game. Um, that That's the kind of the game I'm, I'm anticipating. I think it's going to be pretty competitive. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any standards, um, but I, I think the Seahawks have the ability to, to, to keep them at arm's length if they can start out strong and finish, because as I mentioned, they're dead last they being the Raiders in red zone defense, allowing touchdowns and 27th in third down percentage. So you want to cash in on some third downs. You want to cash in on some touchdowns and not just in the first half, but continue that momentum and build on that. And, you know, like I said, with them being the Seahawks, having a bit of a hard time keeping that momentum in the third quarter, this would be a great game to, to, to flip that script and start out coming out strong both in the, in the first half out of the locker room
0: and the second half. From this perspective, it seems like it's actually a pretty good game for the Seahawks because this has not been an offense. They've gotten a ton of explosive plays, but it hasn't necessarily been like it has been in years past where they've been reliant on that. And so they can put together some of those decent five, six-minute drives, go down and score touchdowns. Again, that's going to be big in this game because the Raiders are going to put some points on the board. They have too many players on offense not to, unless you can catch them in a Saints-type situation. That was one of the craziest uh, blowout losses of the season, wondering where the offense went in that game for the Raiders. You can't expect that's going to be happening on Sunday at Lumen Field. Now let's flip the script to defense for the Seahawks, and and I just want to get this out of the way right away. There's kind of this misconception. I've got some messages on Twitter about this the last couple days. People saying we need to blitz Derek Carr for the Seahawks. Let's send five, six rushers after him. And I'm telling you right now, if Clint Hurt does that in this football game, you got to start questioning where he stands as a defensive coordinator because you look at the numbers. If there's one thing you shouldn't do to Derek Carr, don't be sending the blitz. Look at his numbers this year, Nick. He is one of only two quarterbacks in the entire NFL, according to Pro Football Focus with seven or more passing touchdowns and no interceptions against five-plus rushers coming after him. He is one of the best quarterbacks against the Blitz in the entire NFL. Patrick Mahomes is the only other player in that category. And so I don't think blitzing is going to be part of the equation here. Now, you might occasionally mix one in where you're sending five with those five-man fronts that they have in their 3-4 defense. That's fine. But don't get carried away with sending extra rushers at Derek Carr. He's very good at unloading the football in a quick manner. He's got some Tom Brady in him from that perspective. So to get pressure on him, you're going to have to be creative with your four-man rushes. And I think you're going to have to mix in some simulated pressures where you're still only sending four guys. But maybe you're dropping one of your edge guys back into coverage. Maybe you're dropping a defensive tackle back into coverage. I am not an advocate of doing that a lot, but it can be effective when you are sending a safety and then having Al Woods in the middle. I mean, that is a big man to try to throw around if you're talking about intermediate routes. So they're going to have to be creative with how they deploy their four man rushes, but be very cautious how much you send five or more at Derek Carr, because that seems to be when he's at his very best. Yeah. It is a bit of a, an assumption or misconception that he's,
1: he crumbles under pressure and there might be some, you know, deeper underlying numbers that that suggest sometimes he's, you know, whether it's, you know, close game and, and you know this road environments in a close game, he does X, Y and Z, not great or something. But I mean, that number spells it out right there. And I think another thing is it, it could be big if the, the, the Raiders are missing Colton Miller, their, their tackle. Um, if he is unable to go, you feel pretty confident that you can maybe create a bit more pressure than you would have with just a four man rush. And you don't have to because really the dream is to create enough pressure with your four man rush that you don't have to blitz and thus making life harder in the pass game for the Raiders. And, and also, speaking of making life harder, a guy that does that a lot um, for the, the Raiders against opposing defenses is Josh Jacobs. What a stud of a running back he is. The, the Seahawks are going to have their hands full um, second most yards after, after contact in the NFL, most missed tackles forced. I mean, the Seahawks themselves, it's been a symptom of this defense that they, they do miss tackles sometimes, and they, they are towards the higher end in the NFL um, and, and so in miss tackles, so a guy that you don't want to miss a tackle against is Josh Jacobs because he is one of the best in the NFL. Um, and keeping him under wraps, I think, is is, is going to be imperative. And he's much like and you know, I, I, I I don't want to put a label on him, but he's got a, a bit a little bit of Christian McCaffrey, a little Alvin Kamara, uh, a little bit of you know, Derrick Henry when it comes to like physicality. I mean, he's got a he's not all those guys in one, but he has traits of those of those different backs and. Um, one of the better running backs in the NFL. So I think that, that's a big, big, big part of this is you got to wrap them up. The Seahawks, unfortunately, are 28th in rushing defense this year. So it has not boded well so far, and like I like to mention the, uh, the, the missed tackle numbers. But Josh Jacobs is a huge part of this Raiders offense, and it needs to be a huge part of the Seahawks' defensive game plan.
0: I think that the Seahawks need to be watching film of – and I, I know Bobby Wagner is – one of the most celebrated Seahawks, but he was in a Rams uniform. But when he blew up that streaker earlier this year in a game and there were cops chasing it after him, it just seemed like there was a swarm on the field. That's what they need to do with Josh Jacobs in this game because this is one of those running backs that you absolutely cannot arm tackle him. You're not going to be able to get away with that. And one-on-one situations, he's going to win more times than not. He has forced more missed tackles than any running back in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus, and uh, he does a lot of it with his power, but he's also shiftier than people realize, and he is a dynamic ball carrier, top three in the NFL in 10-plus yard runs. As Pete Carroll talked about today, he is not just a power back. This guy has the ability to run away from defenders and hit home runs, and so he might be the scariest player not named Devontae Adams, and you could maybe make an argument for this game in particular. He might be the most dangerous player because of the issues the Seahawks have had at times this year defending the run so they've got to get after him in swarms four five defenders coming after him and really try to limit how much damage he does after contact because if you let him pick up yards after contact and move the pile it could be a very long day for the Seahawks defense and last but not least the chunk plays you've got to eliminate those chunk plays for this Raiders offense and I know that you could say this about every single game but it's especially imperative against this Raiders offense because they're tied for third in the NFL with eight 20-plus-yard touchdowns this year. So they have scored a lot of touchdowns on explosive 20-plus-yard plays, but they're also near the bottom of the league in third-down conversions, and so they've kind of been one of those feast or famine-type offenses, and that's played into the 3-7 and start for all the talent that they have, especially when they had a healthy Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. There hasn't been consistency when it comes to sustaining drives. So if you can keep receivers in front of you, Devontae Adams, I know that that is much easier said than done, even with Tariq Woolen on him. Devontae Adams has beat the best corners in the NFL fairly regularly because he's that good of a football player. But you have to limit the yards after catch. you got to keep the receivers in front of you. Don't let Josh Jacobs rip off a bunch of chunk plays, 10-plus yard runs, which he's been very good at doing this year. If you can find a way to neutralize those explosives, this is an offense that has had a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot. And for that reason, they're 3-7. and For all the talent that they have, so force them into making mistakes. And the more plays they have and more third-down situations where they aren't able to get those big plays downfield, You're going to force some quick punts, get the ball back to your offense against a defense has been very underwhelming this year. And that gives you a chance to be able to get off to that fast start and create the separation you need to maybe make this a little bit of a laugher early in the game. Coming up next, we're going to shift gears. Normally we do X factors and what the biggest keys are for the Seahawks to win. But since it's Black Friday, we're going to have a little bit of a special edition commemorative game coming up, playing some buy or sell. We're going to get to that here in a moment on our Blue Friday edition. Of locked on Seahawks. This podcast episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. It's Simply Safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents. Who always have your back so you always know your home is safe? Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone, watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD, and use a variety of high tech sensors for the best quality protection. And the best part with 24 7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe agents call you the moment a threat is detected. And dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafecom NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafecom NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to be joined today by my co-host, Nick Lee. We appreciate all the 12s out there who make Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And a special thanks to the new listeners as well. Glad to have you on board. All right, Nick. We're going to switch things up here. Usually, pretty much every game week, we're talking X factors and what the biggest key is for the Seahawks to win and then predictions. We're still going to have our predictions at the end of the show coming up. but. It's Black Friday today. Lots of specials out there, so it's time for a commemorative buy or sell. I'm going to dish out a Seahawks topic, and then you and I are going to discuss and debate whether or not you are buying or selling that event taking place this weekend when the Seahawks host the Raiders. Let's get to it. Our first one, Geno Smith completes 75% or more of his pass attempts against the Raiders. Are you buying or selling that, Nick? Well, I mean, when you consider that the Raiders
1: are dead last in completion percentage allowed, um, almost at 75%. I'm going to buy this. I'm buying it just like that that awesome 4K TV deal at Best Buy. I'm doing this one big time because I I just like the matchups there. Um, The Seahawks have a bevy of weapons. Geno Smith has been very, very efficient for the most part. He's had a a clunker or two as far as completion percentage goes. Um, But I like the matchup, especially with how poor Uh, the Raiders defense has been and being dead last in completion percentage specifically. Yeah. I'll take that by.
0: Yeah. I'm, you know, you and I don't always buy and sell the same things, but I'm buying this one too, because the Raiders, if there's been one constant this year on defense for them, they give up high completion percentages almost every game. And part of it is teams know the pass rushers they have on the outside. We have to unload the football quickly. And I think Geno Smith is going to do that. I think that they are going to make the tight ends a big part of the game plan and, That's going to lend itself to that higher completion rate. Not necessarily Dinkin' and Duncan, but take what the defense gives you. Unload the football quickly. So I'm confident that Gino is going to do that. He's been doing it most of the season. I think that he's going to have another one of those vintage games where he completes a very high percentage of his passes. Will that lead to a win? We'll have to wait and see. Going over to the defensive side of the football, buy or sell, Nick. Josh Jacobs will be held under 125 all purpose yards. It is worth noting he's listed as questionable in the final injury report with a calf injury. Yes, yeah,
1: so if he plays, you know, he might, might not be 100%. I will say um, that holding him on 125 all purpose yards, that's happened six of the 11 games this year. Uh, the opposing defenses have allowed this. And it, surprisingly, not, in, not, not surprisingly, and interestingly, the Raiders are 0 6 when that happens. So sounds like the formula is don't let Josh Jacobs get 125 all-purpose yards. <laughs> um, so um, it, it's obviously with the Seahawks being the 28th ranked run defense, that, that does not bode well for them. Honestly, to me, this kind of feels like a coin flip. I could see the Seahawks, you know, pr- prioritizing this and making it uh, or, and being, being pretty good, but also with the poor run defense at times, poor tackling at times, I'm unfortunately going to sell this um, just with some of the numbers don't add up, and he's one of the more talented backs in the league. Doesn't mean I'm saying the Seahawks are going to lose necessarily, um, but it, it, it's as it just uh, this, the matchup isn't there really to, to feel great about this.
0: I'm going to buy this one, and maybe I'm going to end up regretting this. But this has been a run defense. I know the Buccaneers ran for 161 yards on them in Munich, but I think the Seahawks are going to come into this game, especially their front line, and say not again. Especially at home, they're gonna be like coming out on fire. No, we are not going to be giving up those big runs that we gave up in that game before. We're gonna be sound with our run fits. I think the linebackers are gonna be flying around. There's a potential for a tackle, Colton Miller, to not play in this game. He's listed as questionable. That's gonna hurt the run game as well. And I just don't know that Seattle's gonna give up the receiving yards. To Josh Jacobs, that some of the other teams that have played the Raiders are going to allow. So I could see that Jacobs could have 115, 120 all purpose yards, and maybe 100 of those are rushing yards, and the run defense still has some issues. But I think 125, I actually have some confidence the Seahawks can hold him under that mark when you consider the rushing and receiving aspect. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the game. He can still be very effective with 115 all purpose yards, but I'm actually going to buy that one. All right, back to the offensive side of the football here. Buy or sell? DK Metcalf will equal his season total for 40-plus yard receptions. He currently only has two of them in the first 10 games of the season. So you're basically saying he'll have at least two 40-plus yard receptions in this game.
1: Um, Even with some of the, the Raiders' struggles on defense, that seems like a pretty tall order for me. Um, just with how things have, have been trending this year with the Seahawks and obviously with DK Metcalf, he's having an okay season. He's not, you know, lighting the world on fire, um, putting up video game numbers and, and making some of the plays that we've gotten accustomed to seeing. I think that there is a bit of, of chemistry that's starting to evolve and improve with him and Geno Smith. I'm not saying they were like not friends before, but I just think that that on field connection is starting to get better between those two. So um, if they were to do it in a game this year, I think this was a a pretty favorable matchup to do so, but I think just the statistics and the odds of that happening, I'm going to go ahead and sell this one.
0: Yeah. I'm going to sell this one too, just because I know the Raiders defense has not been good, but they have actually been in the middle of the pack this year for giving up explosive plays. They're not among the top 10 in the NFL. They've given up some long pass plays, but they've really had their issues with getting off the field more than anything else and the sustained drives and not being able to get out of their own way on third down. Those have been the bigger issues. I do think DK is going to have one 40-plus yard perception this game because their corners still are ripe to give up those big plays. I just think two of them equaling the season total, I just can't see that. It's not necessarily the biggest issue that this Raiders defense has, and they have plenty of problems on that side of the ball, but giving up explosive pass plays hasn't necessarily been the most prominent one in the first 10 games of the season. Bayer Selnick going to defense here. Tariq Woolen will pick off a pass covering Devontae Adams, one of the feature matchups in this game.
1: Maybe one of the feature matchups of the entire NFL this week, I'd say. Um, that, that's a bit tough when you add the caveat under it of while covering Devontae Adams. <laughs> I, I know that that Woolen is going to be kind of moving around, but probably predominantly covering Devontae Adams. With Devontae Adams being, uh, I'm not quite sure what Derek Carr's numbers are expe- specifically targeting Devontae Adams. Um, it's going to be a heck of a battle. They did do a good job of limiting DeAndre Hopkins, they being you know, secondary with, with Tariq Woolen, But an interception, uh, I think that's asking a lot. I, I expect a bit of a regression back to the mean as far as his interception rate. It's been phenomenal. He's been He's been one of the top two or three defensive rookie of the year candidates all season. I think he will get heavy consideration for it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and sell this one. I sorry, I feel like the Grinch. I'm selling a lot of these things on this holiday season. I'm not. I'm not being very, uh, very, very cheerful about some of these these uh, picks. But um, I, I think this will be a good matchup. I think Tariq Woolen can hold his own. Just again, interception for me is a bit of a luck factor, and I'm not sure it's going to be there.
0: I'm buying this, and here's why: DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals targeted him just one time a few weeks ago, and Tariq Woolen was hitting himself in the helmet after he got the pass breakup (laughs) because he thought he should have picked it. And you go back and you watch the play. It was thrown behind Hopkins. He should have intercepted it. He is going to be hungry to get a pick against an elite receiver. And here's the other thing. Derek Carr is not going to decide to just throw to the other side of the field. He is going to continue targeting Devontae Adams. Adams has over 40 targets combined in the last three games. Derek Carr's gonna be like I think my guy is better than your guy and I'm gonna keep throwing at him well challenge Tariq Woolen at your own caution Derek Carr and I think he's going to throw one too many times over there he's gonna put his hand in the cookie jar one too many times I think Tariq Woolen gets interception number six I also think Devontae Adams is gonna have some big plays against him in this game because Devontae Adams is an absolute stud but this truly is one of those get your popcorn ready matchups I think that Tariq Woolen's going to have some wins, including an interception in this game. All right, buy or sell. This one is very important for Seattle's offense. Max Crosby will get to Geno Smith for one and a half sacks in this football game. Are you buying or selling that, Nick? Oh, man. You know, I've been such a such a Debbie Downer,
1: such a Grinch for most of this. I'm going to go sell. Uh, I'm going to sell this. Uh, I do think he does get a sack, but I think what we've talked about with getting the ball out quickly, kind of mitigating the pass rush with involving the tight ends, chipping and uh, just a quick passing game, getting the run game going, all those things you hear about when you want to mitigate a pass rush. I think the Seahawks are in position to do that. So I'm going to go sell. I think I think he does make some noise. He, he's one of the better uh, pass rushers in the entire NFL. I think he's fifth in the NFL in sacks. He's also the second best defensive end for win, uh, run stop win rates and leads the NFL in tackles for loss. So he's easily one of the best Defensive ends in football this year, so um, and selling him short is maybe a bit unwise. But I think he does get a sack, but one and a half or two. Uh, I'm going to go sell here. I think that the Seahawks have a chance to to really mitigate that with uh, with quick passes, and I trust these defensive ta-
0: or these excuse me these rookie offensive tackles for the Seahawks. I trust him, too, but I still am buying this one, and I'm going to go right at one and a half. And I don't think that that means the Seahawks can't win this game. They've won some games this year that Geno Smith has been sacked three-plus times. It's happened. There's been some pressure on him, and I think that Max Crosby is going to find ways to get back there. I think one and a half is my sweet spot there. So yeah, I'm going to buy this one. I just think that he's been so dominant this year and he's, he can win with power. He can win with speed. He's got a relentless motor and he plays a ton of snaps too. This is not one of those guys that plays 45, 50% of the snaps. I mean, he is on the field most of the time. So more opportunities means a better chance for him to get those sacks. So I'm going to go with right at one and a half and I'm buying it. All right, going back to defense here, Nick, buy or sell. Two of Seattle's defensive tackles will sack Derek Carr. And that is easier said than done, Nick. Derek Carr, kind of, again, like Tom Brady, he unloads the ball quickly and doesn't get sacked a lot.
1: Yeah, he's in the bottom, he's in the uh, top half, I should say, of getting sacked around the league. Um, so he does do a good job avoiding sacks. He's not the most mobile guy in the world, but he's definitely very pocket aware. Um, I, I do give Derek Carr some credit there. I'm going to go buy. I'm buying this. I, I, I'm feeling, you know, holiday – Thanksgiving mood. I think that this this might be a a, a bit of a, a good game or a bit a bit of a surprising game, perhaps. I'm gonna for it's Black Friday. Why not? All, all bets are off. Puna Ford, Shelby Harris, Quentin uh, Quentin Jefferson, Al Woods, all have at least two sacks. Um, I think that's a the, I think it's a good decent bet that at least one gets home, and I just hope that that second one gets as well. And and I'm gonna buy. I think I'm I'm feel a bit optimistic about the interior battles going on. Uh, with uh, the, the, you mentioned before that the guards for the Raiders do struggle. I think the Seahawks are going to take advantage of that.
0: I'm going to buy this one too, just because I look at the matchups. The Raiders have a rookie guard, and Dylan Parham that's given up 27 pressures, the fourth most by a guard in the NFL, according to PFF. And their other starter, Alex Bars, has given up 20 in just eight games. There are vulnerabilities in this interior offensive line, and I think that's a strength of the Seahawks' defense. Their defensive tackles are athletic. They can penetrate, and they can get back and do damage as pass rushers. So I do think they're going to get it done. In fact, my X factor for this game, Quentin Jefferson, I think he gets one sack against his former team that he just played for a year ago. And I think Shelby Harris continues his hot stretch of play and gets the other one. I think those two get sacks on Derek Carr in this football game. Real fast, Nick, we're going to get one more in here. Buy or sell the most important one of the day. Pete Carroll will win at least one replay challenge on Sunday.
1: (laughs) Or one replay all season or just just in the game? Okay. Just in this game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I'm not sure I'm buying either one. Um, You know, he's 0 for 3 this year. Um, He's 2 for his last 8 in the last 2 years in coaches' Challenges. But you know what? It's a holiday weekend. I'm in a good mood. I'm feeling lucky. I'm going to win. I'm going to win this. I think maybe the replay review uh, team is feeling a bit giving this weekend and gives Pete Carroll uh, throws him a bone so i'm gonna say when he actually went to challenge this year maybe or this year he might win this one this year we'll see this week and
0: maybe you know it leads to a, a go-ahead score i might even call that shot yeah i'm gonna sell this one just because the track record is not looking good and <laughs> pete likes to throw challenge flags just for the hell of it and he has admitted that to us so cool. i could yep. definitely see him throwing some this weekend i just don't know that it's gonna yield anything All right, last but not least, prediction time. Real quick, are the Seahawks going to 7-4 and or are they dropping to 6-5? and I think this is going to be a much more competitive game than some people think.
1: I think we've kind of talked about that ad nauseum this week. Um, Raiders got weapons. Seahawks got weapons. I see the Raiders getting some scores and and the Seahawks counterpunching against a, a somewhat poor Raiders defense. I'm going to, I think the Seahawks are going to feed off that crowd. They're going to build a lead and they're going to keep them a bit at arm's length in the second half, especially riding that momentum with the crowd. So I'm going to say at the end of the day, it's a Seahawks win 30 to 20.
0: Yeah, we're in the same ballpark. I'm going to go 30 to 26. Actually. I think it's going to be very close. I could see the Raiders winning this game because I think a lot of the things that they do well are areas of deficiency for the Seahawks. They are going to have to defend the run better than they did in Munich or they're going to have a lot of trouble slowing down this Raiders offense and Josh Jacobs. I think Tariq Woolen can hold his own against Devontae Adams. I think Kobe Bryant is going to be ready to go in the slot. That's a tough matchup. Adams plays a lot in the slot and is very good there, but I trust this secondary in this football game, and I think they're going to find a way to make the one turnover they need. The Raiders have not been good at generating turnovers, so if the Seahawks can just hold on to the ball, sustain drives, they should be able to get some big plays in there. So. 30 26. I just I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to be a really good game between two former AFC West foes. But I think Seattle gets to that seventh win and a hard fought victory over a team that is much better than their record indicates. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Check out Lockdown on Sea and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts spotify and streaming five days a week on youtube our next show will be coming up on sunday our annual our weekly postcast i will be breaking down the seahawks game against the raiders hopefully we'll be breaking down a victory a couple hours after the final whistle at lumen field you won't want to miss it that show will be coming live two or three hours after the final play of the game you won't want to miss it enjoy your weekend enjoy the game go hawks